and it's divorce TV time and I've got a great lineup for you. We have expert interview with Jonathan Burston of Fearless Divorce. We have a shared story from Fenella Humus and Jill Bennett of Living Beautifully will be doing our meditation. So stay tuned for that. I've got a fa- I've got four bits of news for you today. So the first one is uh, the beautiful Heidi Klum. Uh, her ex-husband Seal shocks fans with post-divorce comments. Uh, the former couple finalised their divorce in 2014, but obviously there's still things going on. And this will be familiar to some of you. Co-parenting and COVID. It's a difficult mix. So Heidi Klum and her ex-husband Seal, they've been co-parenting their four children for nearly a decade following their split in 2012. But the passing of time hasn't made the experience less challenging. The British singer 58 shares Lenny, 17, Henry, 15, Johan, 14, and 11-year-old Lou with Heidi. In a new interview with US Weekly, Seal, real name Henry Samuel, was asked about their co-parenting arrangements and admitted It can be challenging. It requires teamwork. If you are a team, if both parents are a team, he says, then it's really easy and that's not a real challenge at all. But he continues, but you have to be a team. And if you're not a team, then it can all fall to pieces. Asked if he and Heidi are a team, the London-born musician candidly replied, nope, I never had that teamwork. We never had teamwork. So last year, Heidi had to request an emergency hearing to allow her to take her four children to Germany with her to film Next Top Model. In the filing, she stated that Seal did not want the kids to travel over concerns about COVID-19. Uh, some of you will have been in this situation. So it's, it's one of those not right or wrong ones. It's, it's a very difficult one. But what a shame they had to, to go through the courts to, to deal with it. Noting that she was contractually obliged to film season 16 of the show, Heidi, 47, said that she usually brings her family with her when she travels for work, but that her ex-husband has not yet approved of this trip. She further stated she would change the former couple's custody schedule in order to allow the children to come with her. There will be a three-week break for Christmas holidays, though the children were originally slated to spend this Christmas break with me, as Henry spent Christmas 2019 with them. I am willing, she says, to agree that Henry spend the Christmas break with them again this year, so that the children can be with their father during this time, if Henry would like this, she wrote. Also, as Henry, otherwise known as Seal, has a British passport, he will be able to visit the children while they are in Germany if he wishes to do so, she added. It seems like she's trying really hard. Daughter Lenny, who was adopted by Seal in 2009, also submitted a statement to the court. It's a shame when the kids have to get involved, which read, This is hard because I love both of my parents, but I feel like I need to speak up. I understand that my siblings are too young to speak to the judge, so I'm happy to speak for all of us. My mum needs to film in Germany for a few months, and my siblings and I want to go with her. So far, my dad is not allowing us to go, though we have tried to tell him our reasons why we want to, Lenny continued, adding that travelling to Germany would be an amazing opportunity for all four of them and would enable them to see their grandparents. These are difficult, difficult issues, especially when you're worried about the safety of your children, but my answer to this is like put an arbitrator into your parenting plan right from the beginning so you never need to use a court case if you can't agree on something have someone who will arbitrate for you it's a it's it can happen to the best of us uh, 
moving forward to the male, co-parenting that drags the kids into the middle. Oh, here is a fine example of that. But luckily in this case, a judge has said no. The divorce that's heading, oh, sorry for this, this is, this is the, uh, the male's headline, from Brad to worst. After years of toxic mudslinging, Brad Pitt has just won joint custody of his children with Angelina Jolie. So all of the you dads who've been trying for years to get that, you, know, you can applaud him. He's, he's certainly stuck it out a long time. But if you thought she'd give up now, it says wait for the sequel. That will come to the appeal court in California on July the 9th. Pitt has now hired this is really odd, a, a top draw, draw litigate. He has, sorry, start again. He's hired, now hired a top drawer litigator, known as the best of the best, to fight his corner in this bitterest of Hollywood divorces. Ted Boutrous Jr. isn't, he's not even a divorce lawyer. He's in the business of fighting multi-million dollar lawsuits. He made his name defending Walmart against a class action in the Supreme Court and has acted for Apple, among others. His, his speciality is First Amendment actions defending free speech. So you might think that the small matter of who gets to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with jolly Pitt children is way beneath him. But he is proving Pitt's secret weapon. Indeed, it is his name on papers, which are Pitt's response to Jolly's appeal, that claim the judge thought her evidence lacked credibility in many important areas. Others associated with the hearings allege that Team Jolly in court tried to discredit experts who were giving evidence about what would be best for the children. One source said there have been a string of desperate moves. Anyone who said something they didn't like, they would fight against their credibility to testify. That has gone on for months and they have thrown everything at it. It's impossible to verify this account as the custody hearings were conducted in private and all documents relating to them were filed under seal, meaning they cannot be viewed. While the custody arrangement is a significant step, the divorce is far from settled. The pair still need to deal with the question of finances, a complex matter when there are two wealthy individuals with global assets and properties, and that's not even been started yet. Considering it's taken more than four years to get to this point, no one is predicting the case will be ending anytime soon. Indeed, the Battle of the Jolie Pits has been epic in scale and utterly unedifying. It long ago exceeded the span of their doomed marriage, which lasted just 25 months, starting with an eccentric ceremony at their vast estate in France and ending with a huge bust up on a private jet on the tarmac at Minnesota that led to Jolie filing for divorce. And as for the venom unleashed, it has been far worse, says the paper, than anything either side expected. Pitt said in a tear-soaked confessional interview in 2017 that he was hoping for a cooperative divorce. We are both doing our best, I heard one lawyer say. No one wins in court. It's just a matter of who gets hurt worse. And it seems to be true. It's just an investment in vitriolic hatred. I just refuse. And fortunately, he said, my partner in this agrees. How very wrong he was. The two actors started a romance after co-starring in the film Mr and Mrs Smith in 2005. Children came thick and fast. Maddox had been adopted from an orphanage in Cambodia by Jolly in 2002. While she was married to actor Billy Bob Thornton, Pitt became his adoptive father in 2006. Together, the couple then adopted Pax, now 17, from Vietnam, when he was three, and baby Zahara, now 16, from Ethiopia. They also had three birth children together, daughter Shiloh in 2006 and twins Knox and Vivian in 2008. 
Despite Jolly's claims against Brad, both the FBI and the Department of Children and Family Services investigated, but neither found that Pitt posed a danger to the children. Pitt was said to have quietly completed a VIP rehab and be attending, uh, he's been attending both AA and NA meetings after admitting he'd been drinking too much. But in 2018, things turned nasty. Jolly accused Pitt of not paying her meaningful support since the split. He countered that he'd actually loaned her $8 million plus $1.3 million for bills. It's another world. Custody became an obsession for them both. Jolly was warned by the court to stop snooping on mobile phone contact between Pitt and the children and was warned of serious consequences if she created a distance between him and their brood. In other words, she was advised not to do parental alienation. Schedules had to be coordinated using a specialist co-parenting app called our family wizard which you will find a link to in the best way to divorce app in the co-parenting section in an interview this year with vogue jolly said that she was focusing on healing her family in december last year court proceedings began in los angeles over child custody for the five youngsters though they're not that young both sides offered lists of witnesses to call pitt asking for 21 and jolly for seven they were bodyguards, security staff, experts in child psychology and a former nanny. On March the 12th, Jolly filed a memorandum to court under seal, meaning that it's private and cannot be viewed by the public. Provocatively titled, Offer of Proof and Authority in Support Thereof, RE Testimony Regarding Domestic Violence, another memorandum was RE Testimony of Minor Children. It's understood that she wanted the children to testify about alleged domestic violence, but the children did not testify and the ruling didn't go her way. She has now made a legal bid to disqualify Judge Uderkirk from the divorce case. She said in a filing on um, this recently that the judge had refused to hear the minor teenagers' input as to their experiences, needs or wishes as to their custody fate. She also said that Udekert had declined to hear evidence that she alleged was relevant to the children's safety and well-being before he issued a ruling. Peter Harvey, a former Attorney General of New Jersey, says that Jolly is now campaigning over how custody issues are assessed to ensure that other families do not experience what hers has endured. Now this all sounds very, um, very worrying, but here's the other side. However, Pitt was soon back with a body blow of his own. His filing in response, seen in full by the Daily Mail, said the judge found Jolly's testimony lacked credibility in many important areas and the existing custody order between the parties must be modified, per Mr Pitt's request in the best interests of the children. It said Jolly's objections and further delays in reaching an arrangement would work grave harm upon the children, who will be further denied permanence and stability. A source adds, she says that the kids didn't speak in court. The point is that the kids spoke to their therapists in proper situations and settings about things. They were evaluated and this was then reported into the court. There is no perfect optimal situation for something as difficult as this, but they were spoken with by professionals. It is well known in the industry that you never want the kids to testify in court. That is the last thing that anyone should want. You never want for that to happen. It is invariably traumatic. So when she complains that the kids were not allowed to testify, that reinforces more that the judge made a good decision about custody. The source added there have been hundreds of experts, therapists and so on, and the judge has heard it all and made what is called a tentative decision, which then gets ratified. All Brad ever wanted was joint custody. Brad cares tremendously about his kids and he wants the best for them. He just wants to spend as much time with them 
as possible. I know there's a lot of dads out there who feel the same. The other side is doing everything possible to prevent that from happening. But the source cautions July is going to be important. If the judge is kept in place, then the ruling stands. If the judge is not, then the ruling is vacant and we have to start all over again. I hope, I hope they don't have to go through that. There's poor children. Mail online. We have, I've got two short ones here for you. This is Lisa Marie Presley, who's finalised her divorce from ex-husband Michael Lockwood almost five years after their separation. The daughter of the late Elvis Presley, 53, received a dissolution of marriage with a 60-year-old musician who she parted ways with five years ago following a decade-long marriage, US Weekly reported. The former couple, who are parents to twin daughters Harper and Finley, 12, will continue to litigate other matters that have not yet received a judgment, such as child support, lawyers' costs, finances, and an alleged misappropriation of properties, the outlet reported. I'm afraid today we haven't got we haven't got our good good divorcing <laughs> celebrities. It's a, it's a litany of disaster, isn't it? The former couple, who are parents to twin daughters, um, one of being Lockwood has has no desire to stay married to this woman, his lawyer told the court, as he wants to get on with his life and he's engaged to be married to Stephanie Hobgood. Lisa Marie is also mother to daughters Riley Keogh, 31, and late son Benjamin Keogh, who tragically took his own life at 27 at a home in Calabasas, California on July the 12th. Following the tragedy, Lockwood sought custody of the twins, speculating that Benjamin's suicide could trigger Lisa Marie into past substance abuse issues that she had sought rehab for in 2016. In his filing, Lockwood asked for no less than approximately $9,500 per month in child support. If only we could all have had that, and asked for joint legal and physical custody of the kids. Following the family tragedy, a rep for Lisa Marie told the outlet that she was entirely heartbroken, inconsolable and beyond devastated about her son's death and trying to stay strong for her 11-year-old twins and her oldest daughter, Riley. Presley was previously in marriages to singer Danny Keogh from 1988 to 1994, the late Michael Jackson from 94 through to 1996 and Oscar winner Nicolas Cage, from 2002 until 2004. Let's hope uh, next time she gets married it's it's a bit less stressful for her. And last but not least, just a very short one because I do think this is very relevant. Apparently, uh, Boris, our Prime Minister, Mr Johnson, was distracted with divorce as well as money troubles and a baby at the start of COVID. Dom Dominic Cummings has said that he regarded Boris Johnson as unfit for the job of Prime Minister, saying he was distracted by personal issues as COVID was first taking hold in the UK. Giving evidence to a parliamentary select committee, the PM's former top advisor was highly critical of the government. Mr Cummings said in February 2020 he was finalising his divorce. His girlfriend wanted to announce being pregnant and their engagement and his finance and all of that sort of stuff. So my question is, is divorce an excuse for not doing your job properly? Now we're going to pray that we don't have any technical issues because we had great fun and games before we got started. And we have our regular here, Jonathan Burston, divorce coach. Um, and let's see what wisdom he's going to impart with us today. Welcome, I Jonathan. Am here. Can you Yay, hear me? Yay! I can hear you yes. and see you. Oh, Hurrah! Oh. 
the one the wonders of using your mobile phone instead of your laptop thank, for some reason thank but, uh, goodness the phone was there handy by your side so um yeah so we've got um 10 minutes and i am sure you're going to give us some wonderful wisdom uh, but actually to start with first of all you've got a qr code next to you what happens if someone puts their mobile phone up to that and the camera what will what will appear well, well, this always amazes me. I don't know how this this works in technology-wise, but if you hold your camera to the to it, it'll come up with a link then that you can click through, uh, and it'll take you through to the website where you can find out a little bit more about what I do. And if you want to, you can book a, a free 30-minute call with me to have a discovery around your strategy for your divorce and um, and see whether there's anything I'm able to help you and assist you with, and go go from there. And you can read a little bit about the work that I do and the testimonials um, of people I've worked with in, in the past, or of of both genders of, of of going through all yes. sorts of divorces, whether at the start, the middle, or at the end. That's the case. And you and you help so, people quite um, often when they if they'd want to do a bit of it DIY. You help them not go into overwhelm and manage that, don't you as well? Absolutely. And then I think the key point of that is is trying to ensure that you're using the using your solicitor uh, at the appropriate appropriate times, rather than uh, often as we do as the therapist in many ways, and we yes. can burn a lot of cash quite quickly. I, I'm dreadful to say that. I learned from past experience from uh, mm. of doing that in the initial stages. But if you start to take control of what you do and the actions you take and make the right decisions and you do some of it direct with your ex, um, then you can you can bypass the, the solicitors in some ways and then only use them when you need to use them. Um, yes. And from many of the cases I work with, uh, often the solicitor is the is an antagonizer as well. So you end up having another two sets of people antagonizing each other when actually if you can deal with it directly, Sometimes it's not always easy, I will admit, um, because there's often issues. But if you can start to do that bit, then you can start to turn the heat down. And so, and obviously, as you as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of dispute resolution. I wish some of the uh, stories I've been telling there had. I mean, you can just see how it just goes on and on. It's tragic, and these poor kids getting dragged into it. And uh, um, and yeah, and it just takes one person to be very very difficult to make it hell for everybody else, isn't it? It does, and I was shaking my head. You may have seen off camera when you were when you were reading the stories, and it, the bitterness that is there driving their actions, mm. and you know it comes down to ego at the end of the day, um, and it is driven by one or both parties' egos. So the children are sat in the middle, being the sort of the you know sort of have their best interests at heart. Well, if the best interests at heart, you wouldn't be in the court de dealing with that. You'd have mm. dealt with it directly, and it's a, it's a come back to the person's ego, which is. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not casting judgment as to who, which, which side has the ego, because they've both probably got it. Um, but ultimately, the ego is the one that is, that is driving them to this bitterness and this anger that leads them to being in court and all in the newspapers. If they, had the, the, the comfort, if they wanted the children to be focused on, you wouldn't take it to court. Absolutely. And and right. when and I know we don't really know the full stories, but with when the case of Angelina Jolly, I just wish somebody would one of her good friends would just say, what the hell are you doing? And just stop this. This is crazy. I mean, they're not like they're tiny little children who are vulnerable. These are, you know, old enough to tell their dad where to go if they didn't like anything. It's just it is so clearly a, a personal vendetta that she's running there. It, it it is absolutely, and often the people that are probably around her are often mm. adding fuel to that fire. Mm. You know, and I, I remember from well, my own divorce and, 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 and from others I work with, often the people you have are adding, are telling you the things you want to hear rather than having the, um, the critical friend who says, actually, just stop and, and just think about it. Is it the right thing for your children? Is it the right thing for you? Um, 
because all you're doing is prolonging the anger, prolonging the frustration, and, and prolonging the pain. And at some point, you've got to draw a line under it and move on with your life. And she's obviously, uh, well, she's particularly bitter in her in her circumstances. Yeah. Um, I think one of the saddest things yeah. is she says how about she's going to go, um, she can't wait till they get to 18 and then she can move the whole family aboard. Like she's going to control of her 18 plus children. <laughs> like she's That's going to right. snap her yeah. fingers. You know, she's going to suddenly find herself completely on her own and them That's just right. doing whatever they want. And, and it's, it's, it's tragic. I just, I just wish the, the, the family law system didn't seem to support that because that's, a fa- I know they're trying to, to do good things but and I think that that sort of brings us back to a lot of the work that you do because as you've alluded to it's, it's not that lawyers are doing terrible things deliberately they're in a system that is very toxic and um and so perhaps you could give some advice to people who who feel that they might be being drawn in or are in those sort of situations how can they get out of that cycle because I think quite often they they feel that once they start down the court route that's it and and it, nobody seems to be saying to them except for People like me and you, you know, you don't have to carry on down here. So, what? Perhaps you could give some guidance of how do you sort of put the brakes on that train? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good question, and I think partly is that is you've got to press the pause button just because the train has left the station. Actually, yes, it, it's moving, but you can put the brakes on it. You can stop it and say, look, I want to take a step back. I want to have that that period of reflection to see am I doing it the right thing, the right way. I know from my own experience of going through my own divorce, twelve months in dark places, spent a lot of money on, on sisters and thinking there's got to be a better way of doing this mm. and, and actually thinking, am I making the right decisions for me? Am I making the right decisions for the other party? Because you're both in it together and if you can somehow navigate between the pair of you something that is not going to be perfect, but it's going to be as equitable and fair as possible within the margins of error, um, <laughs> then you can you can get through it uh, that, that bit easier so in that sense you've got to take a step back you've also got to understand and your point is right about sisters are not not doing a bad thing they're in a process and they're representing their client and often as people who are not in that process as laymen we get letters from solicitors which are very formal very legalistic and by the nature of the wording of those letters we we often then go red rag to the ball we blow up this is outrageous i want this response and then you go back around the circle again and it goes back around the other way again and and actually what you have to do is take a step back and say actually they are in a process they are representing the client you don't have to you don't have to respond to it and i i remember from my own experience that i got uh, my my offer that i got made um my divorce came with it um with Here's, the, here's some house particulars that you can go and buy on the basis of the offer I'm making to you. Mm-hmm. Now, it was designed from my ex at the time to, to, to put a red rag to the bull and, 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 and inflame. And you, you have to take mm-hmm. a step back. Thankfully, I've gone through that first year of understanding the, the, the nuances it and go, actually, this is just noise. Chuck that out of the way and just go back to, right, that's, that's just noise. It's just, it's an irritation. It's, de- it's designed to be an irritation and you just have so to turn what, the volume so down. So what were, what was... What were wrong with them? Were they the little one-bedroom flats in a in a dodgy part of town or but, something? That, that's a bit. That's right. And um, <laughs> yeah, what what could possibly go wrong? You know, and um, <laughs> um, my daughters could bunk up together and all that yeah. sort of thing. So, and, um, um, and you know, and, and solicitors in that sense are, are just are, are just doing what the client wants and putting in legalistic terms of you know we think it's right and this that and the other and it's and, and that can wind you up. But you have to come back to the, the question you are. You have to press pause on it, look at it actually in cold light of day, take the emotion away from it, which I know is not always easy, mm. but just then look at what the facts of what, it, what that person is saying 
and then respond to that appropriately. And if you can respond appropriately direct to your ex, then mm -hmm. by nature you have a better chance of cutting through the um, the yeah. nonsense, the, the the noise of it to get to something that's realistic. I realise that's not always easy, depending on the ex you have, um, and sometimes that you know they may be narcissistic, you know, all that kind of behaviour. But if you can get through and try to deal with it directly, then you can turn the volume down, and then solicitors are just doing the, the sort of the agreement bit rather than the negotiation. That's such great advice, and of course my advice people is they don't try and just do that on their own so like if they're working with you they can be going right I'm going to manage this communication with you know because you'll tell them are you sure you want to put it that way you'll give them the, the, the support and the emotional psychological support as well to do that whereas if as you say if they get their solicitor to do it not only they're paying a lot more for that but the the um, the upset they're often going to cause and the destruction to the communication. So that's really really good advice. And I think again, a lot of people don't really they think they have to have the solicitors do everything. But actually, there's a lot of the process they can take control of. But it's good idea to have somebody uh, their rock by their side to help make sure that they don't make it worse. Quite frankly, yeah. yeah. And your point is interesting there because actually we go to solicitors because we're fearful of making the wrong decision. But actually, solicitors invariably only do what you want them to do. They'll give you some guidance. Yeah. But actually, you can, if you, you know, look fear in the eye and say, right, I can do this for myself, and with the right guidance, I can, I can come overcome it because you'll come out of it a much stronger person, and you'll look back at it and go, actually, and I've done it. I've done it for myself, and I didn't need for somebody else to do it for me. That's good, and. Just to finish with, I believe that that had a great pay forwards as well because you've got an ongoing co-parenting relationship. Would you say that that was positively impacted by you taking back control of the process? Absolutely. Uh, I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, I've been divorced for quite a number of years now. My, my eldest daughter's off to university in September, fingers crossed. Um, and, you know, we have a, we have a, a, a good relationship and... Um, you know, there are like all these things. You have your ups and downs. Is it perfect? No, it isn't. Um, but do we have anything that shouting, screaming, or any of that? No, we don't. We have a, you know, I have a more often than not a weekly chat with my ex-wife. Talk mm -hmm. about our daughters. Talk about things. We text every couple of days or so because we're, there's things going on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my, my daughter's going through some uh, talking therapy at the moment around some, you know, um, fear of rejection type things. So we're just and we're we're doing that together and helping her mm. to be the best she could possibly be and, and that's and, and my other daughter's going for a job so you know it's just trying to we've got to push them along in the right way yeah you're 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 being the team that seal dreams of but obviously says he doesn't yeah, have and, yeah yeah, yeah and, you know and, and obviously there's always room for improvement is it perfect mm. no it isn't but it's it's a lot better than you know and many of the, the stories and you're not having to drag each other in and out of court for years like some of oh. these uh, very wealthy people who really should know better. I mean, they could they could pay for the best psychological support for themselves, the best rocks, and yet they choose choose that route. It's tragic. Um, lovely, as always, talking to you, Jonathan. Thank you so much. And um, And you. I know that when I send you the links to all of the places that this appears, you'll be popping in uh, links. So if anyone hasn't used your QR code, they'll still be able to get hold of your, your goodies from your website. Absolutely. Thanks. Good to see Thanks you. very Take much, care. Jonathan. Bye bye. Right, bye. Bye. So we're going to have a quick 
lesson content. Uh, this is from the Divorce uh, Masterclass in the app, the Divorce Discovery Voyage. So go to uh, bestwaytodivorce.online, you'll get the free app. And the course, the course isn't free, but there are um, uh, lots and lots of things in there, which is cheaper than working with me. So I'm just going to give you one element of it. We are on Calm Seas, which is uh, one of the last sections of it. And I'm just going to say something about love. Uh, forgiveness, we all know that forgiveness and being merciful to your co-parent uh, and to yourself, which is absolutely key because you can't really be like that to someone else if you don't do it to yourself first. It can be part of, well, it is part of a major life journey. It's not a five minute accomplishment. However, but what you can work on right away is compassion. So compassion comes from a place of love. We don't encourage each other enough to learn this skill. And I just happened to have been speaking to a lovely lady uh, last night in the secret divorce meetup um, in the app and uh, on this very subject. So you may have a difficult spouse. OK, you may be very upset by their behaviour and the harm that you see it's doing to the children. But look at that parent and learn to see the half of them that is your child or your children, which is their best half. OK, and talk to that half and ignore the other half as much as you can and feel compassion for them, having to carry around that other part of themselves that isn't their best half. Then look at the children and see the half of them that is the other parent. That's the part you fell in love with, the part you married, and it's still alive and well in the children. This way of refocusing on the love you feel makes compassion easier. Instead of being angry by your ex, you can think, oh, bless, they really are delusional today. They must be afraid. Luckily, I'm holding the space for sanity right now. And Fenella is going to appear any second now. There she is. And thank you for coming along, Fenella. And you've got a shared story. You do something very interesting, don't you, um, Fenella? You, uh, you're going to tell us a little bit about that. And Fenella works with, um, um, with lawyers, um, amongst other people. So just tell us a little bit first about the work you've been doing and then the story that you're going to share. Okay, so um, I have been working with family lawyers in a different capacity unrelated to what I'm currently doing. And it came about, I was sharing stories, which um, led to what I'm now doing in terms of offering support, and external support and supervision to lawyers. Now, my background is working with children and families from quite difficult uh having quite difficult life experiences and there was a lot of conflict and a lot of the times parents weren't thinking about the best for their children and that kind of came out when I was talking to these lawyers about the the, the situations they were having to deal with with regards to um, uh, adults going through uh, couples going through divorce and sometimes there was domestic abuse there was child abuse there were some quite horrific cases that um, I had uh, uh, discussed with me you know no names of course but it was just a way of the lawyers being able to offload which some things which which were really weighing on their minds and really affecting over time their mental health 
Because it's pretty traumatic, actually, being... I, th I think a lot of people don't realise that, that they're so traumatised by their divorce. They don't realise how traumatic that can be for the lawyers who are working with them. Yeah, so the thing... The the the, um, the couples come in, or the whoever they're dealing with comes in and just offloads because they're in that in that mm -hmm. space where they're they're feeling um, either helpless if they're being abused themselves. There are huge numbers of tears. They're uh, recounting some really horrendous stories, and um, the lawyers, when they've been working, especially now they're working remotely, they're, they're experiencing this in their home. And they can't get away with it. So that energy of dealing with that really negative experience that's dealing with somebody else's trauma, they're going through that trauma themselves. It's taking it, you know, they're, they're taking it on board and they've got nowhere to offload it. So in effect, over time, it's cumulative and it can really affect their mental health, which as a result of here, quite a lot of junior lawyers are finding it really difficult um, and are wanting to leave leave their job and find something else because it is really affecting them so much and so what kind of are you able to do to to help them because um yeah I can, I can totally see that they you know with, with the, they can't go leave the office and, and leave it behind as you say it's it's in their own home and and, and, they, and they can't escape from it so what are you able to do with them to help them so what we're going to what what we're going to do because this is in, in a kind of a more of a pilot to start off with, but it's about enabling a lawyer to offload to to talk out their experience um, in a non-judgmental environment and to be able to be supported through perhaps reframing it, um, looking at the boundaries that they can set for themselves, looking at um, having techniques that they can utilize to detach themselves from the experiences that they might be going through when they don't have immediate access to uh, to the other lawyers, to the rest of their team. Because whereas in the past, when they were in the office, they could go inside, they could go and have a chat with somebody, um, but now they're not they're not able to do that because you don't have those coffee, the, the coffee yeah. machine moments. So... Yeah, it, it's it's offering them different techniques, um, coping strategies to be able to steer it, just essentially detach themselves. It's what I do with with a lot of my clients, which aren't who aren't lawyers, um, in terms of when they're dealing with huge levels of anxiety, even coming out of depression. It's enabling them to have the skills to build their own resilience um, and and have the tools, as I said, to be able to deal with the situation as. Um, as it arises but personally I, I think that they ought not to be having to go through those situations I know you know you taught your your approach is very much is not having to go into that massive those massive levels of conflict you know there are difficult there are difficult cases where the, there's domestic violence and abuse and where the children have or where the children have been abused and child, child abuse is you know if they're in an environment where there's domestic violence and abuse the children are we class it because I'm a child protection trainer as well we class it as as abuse because again the children are experiencing that so I I really really support what you're doing in terms of you know um not not going to court and dealing with this with the children at the center really considering the children's welfare and then that would have a knock-on effect to the lawyers not probably having to deal with these situations themselves that's brilliant i've just said someone's from linkedin has just said brilliant advice and uh but yeah i think that's, i'm really glad uh, grateful for you for coming on and talking about this because i think it's uh, it's a really important thing and if 
I think the more people realise how stressful it is for their lawyers, you're out of courtesy for your lawyers. If you can try to keep things less horrendous, if you can, um, if you can use, you know, like Jonathan earlier, he can work with clients specifically around the divorce. All the, there's lots of ways to reduce that level of stress um, because you, you you end up with the casualties of the families and the lawyers as well, which is not is not great. Mm. Lovely, lovely to talk to you, Vanilla, and it'd be great to have you back on the show another time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. And a quick uh, reminder of bestwaytodivorce.online, which takes you straight to the app, any phone. You can use it on your computer as well. And I'm just going to pick on the co-parenting resources because in there is um, not just a, co a parenting plan, Split Smart, but the Our Family Wizard that Brad Pitt has. You know, it's probably the only thing that's allowed decent and healthy conversation between about the, about the children and organising uh, when they are able to see him. And that is in the Welcome Pack and also you'll find it within the Secret Divorce Group Welcome Pack. And another plug, quick one for the workshop coming up soon in June and um, no alligators really, uh, but it is definitely a, a workshop that takes the fear out of the whole divorce process and the financial side. This one aimed uh, for those in the UK. So we've got uh, Jill who's now joining us and uh, of Living Beautifully and you're going to do something lovely and meditative with us but you tell, tell us a little bit about it first aren't you? Yes I am. Um, I think sometimes when we're in a difficult part of our lives and we're going through a difficult journey all we focus on is the problems that we've got and the difficulties that we're going through and sometimes we need to take a step back and realise that wherever we are in that journey and whatever rubbish is going on in our lives we are self-fulfilling prophecies and we need to look for something in our life that we're very grateful for and focus on that so instead of waking up every day and thinking of the things you're unhappy about in your life try and think about the things that actually you're grateful for in your life and you're going to attract more of those good things into your life then rather than more of the bad things into your life. Um, so your mindset is key. You need to have an attitude of gratitude. And what I want to do tonight is to just run you through a short meditation, which is going to help you think about what you actually want in your life. It's a sort of mixture of a meditation and a visualization. And it's called the wish fulfilled. Lovely, can't wait. All right, I shall let you take it away. Thank you. So everybody, sit nice and comfortably, close your eyes and make sure your palms are facing upwards as this is the position to be open to receive. Start to focus on your breath. Take a nice deep breath in and hold it. And as you exhale, relax and let go of all tension. Every time you breathe out, I want you to relax more and more. Now picture a funnel of lavender energy swirling above the crown of your head. As the lavender energy begins to swirl into your head, it relaxes you more. 
that energy is swirling in through your shoulders, through your chest, through your back and your abdomen. Feel this nice, clean energy. Feel the power swirling through your hips, your knees and down to your feet. Now you're in the present. Just feel the gratitude flow through you. All that you have in here. In this space, all your goals are achieved. You now have everything you've ever wanted. You are experiencing pure joy and happiness. Your relationships are loving and kind. You have time freedom and financial freedom. It feels great. Notice where you are. Are you in a new home? Are you somewhere warm? And can you feel the sun on your face and the gentle breeze in your hair? Notice who you're with. What are you celebrating in this moment now that you've achieved everything? Find a mirror on the wall and look at yourself. This is the happiest you have ever been. The healthiest you have ever been. And the wealthiest you have ever been. And as you look into your eyes, what do you say to yourself now that you have achieved it all? You made a committed decision to be positive in your life and you've achieved everything. It is all here now. Everything you have asked for, you did it. Think of all the things you're grateful for, for the journey you took. Notice the expression on your face. Are you smiling? Do you feel at ease? Do you feel loved? This is the feeling of the wish fulfilled. This is turning your thoughts into things. Try and stay in this feeling a little bit longer. slowly start to return into your body to the present and open your eyes but try and get yourself into this feeling every day it really can help you to change your mindset and to change the way you're feeling about your life as it is at the moment Thank you for that. Yeah, keeping yourself uh, 
motivated. Believing in something beautiful and lovely is so important and very difficult sometimes when you're in that difficult space. So if you're ever struggling, just listen to that meditation again and, um, and get back into that space. So on the battlefield of divorce, in the war of family separation, especially if you're Angelina Jolie, will you please, please make peace your weapon of 